0: Roll up, roll up, ladies and gentlemen, beggars and harlots, urchins, vagabonds, miscreants, there wells ignoble noblemen and libertines alike.
1: Ladies and
0: gentlemen, those of you from this world and the next, it gives me great pleasure to present the Satanic Player Society, traveling sideshow of the macabre. Join us as we bring you wonders from the abyss. Prose from this shadows and tales of horror and madness. Now, it brings me great joy to introduce tonight's nice performers, each bringing their own skills and talents to the show. Please be standing and give a round of applause for... Alec the Human Cannonball! This man, he knows no fear. Witness his extraordinary fates as he launches himself through fire and flame, through bricks and mortar, in each stirring display of bravery. Or, my friends, is it madness? Gregory the Second. Gaze into the mystic portal. He bends time and space to his will, bringing the past and future before your eyes. If you care to look, he can show you the things to come. Be worried though, he can also foretell your doom. Rachel, the Dragon Lady. Her skills are as tough as steel, her claws sharper than any blade. But that's not the most terrifying thing about this lady. The fire she breathes can turn a person to the ash in mere seconds. And of course, this show wouldn't be complete without our wonderful resident artists and guest contributors. Stand up and put your hands together for Adam Campbell, Karen Sherman, Paul Sherman, and of course, tonight's author, Hydra M. Starr. Hello again my friends, thank you for joining us. In this episode we celebrate the works of Hydra M. Starr, one of our valued resident artists and longtime supporter of the show. It is a documented fact that Satanists do not believe in any form of deity, instead of gazing up or down, we prefer to look within, championing ourselves and taking responsibility for our own actions. That doesn't mean that we can't have a little fun with the question of what if? Tonight's tale does just that. Before the main feature, we would like to start you off with a little poetry. This wonderful piece delves into unattainable desire. Please put your hands together for Daughter of Lilith.
2: Boy, don't you come around here looking for a Daughter of Lilith, when what you CLEARLY seek is a Daughter of Eve. Boy, don't think YOU can keep a Daughter of Lilith in her PROPER place. You better chain yourself up a Daughter of Eve. Boy, don't you fool yourself. You won't be able to control a Daughter of Lilith, nor bully her neither. You'll find a Daughter of Eve MUCH easier to tame. Boy, don't you DARE try to lay ownership of a Daughter of Lilith. If you want to own something, go buy yourself a daughter of Eve. I hear they're going cheaper by the day. Boy, don't come around here looking for a daughter of Lilith when what you CLEARLY seek is a daughter of Eve. Boy, you need to hurry up and recognize I'm the daughter of Lilith, not of Eve. And the best you can hope for is to walk out of here the way you came. Run away in fear. Little boy, run away, run away, run away. I'll cut your soul from your body. Little boy, run away, run away, run away. Haven't you been listening to me? Little boy run away, run away, run away. You are not a man, little boy. Run away, run away, run away. Don't you know who our father is, little boy? Run away, run away, run away. Very well, little boy. Pretend you're a god, little boy. Pretend you are my equal, little boy. But don't say I didn't warn you, little boy. All kittens have claws, little boy. But some of us have fangs.
0: Well, I hope that has piqued your interest and has you ready for our main story. Without further ado, it is my pleasure to present Great Grandmother's Necklace.
3: The holographic display projecting upwards from the back of the phone read, Incoming call from Teddy Erickson, 992086, 711 a.m. Danielle groaned and rode over so that her back was to the nightstand and phone and pulled the blankets up over her head. She was not in the mood this morning to deal with Teddy. She wasn't even in the mood to wake up yet. Between chirps from the phone, Perper, her fat orange house cat, jumped onto the bed and at once began kneading on her shoulder and purring loudly in her ear. Not waking up, it seemed, was not to be an option. you you're
4: all conspiring against me, She moaned as she pushed the blankets
3: and cat aside and snatched the phone up off the table. Better be important, Teddy.
0: Danielle, is John there with you? Are you at the house? Do you know what's going on?
3: He was shouting. She hated it when Teddy shouted because it usually meant he was worked up about something she'd probably care very little about. The sun is barely up, Teddy i'm in bed she moved toward the edge of said bed to stand looking around the floor
4: for her house slippers john is no doubt in his office working and if you're not calling me for a damn good reason i'm gonna hunt you down and gut you like a fish danielle was not a morning person
3: she expected teddy to make some smart ass comment about how one doesn't fish at which point she planned to hang up on him but instead he ignored the comment completely
0: Daniel, I'm coming to the house. I'm on my way right now, and I hope that I can get to you without finding myself dead.
3: He was still shouting, and her head was starting to hurt. What kind of trouble are you in this time? She had her slippers on now and moved from the bed to the door. John, she surmised from the time of day, would be downstairs, planted in front of one of his vintage computers, mixing music tracks and drinking coffee. She needed to go down and let him know that Teddy was on his way. Most of the time, John found Teddy's antics funny, and they were all good friends in addition to working together on several music, film, and writing projects. But having Teddy barge into the house ranting, and probably drunk and or high first thing in the morning, was something that called for mental preparations and warning.
5: We're all in trouble,
0: or it's about to get better. One thing for certain, Lavey was wrong about some things.
3: She stopped halfway down the first flight of stairs leading down to the house's main floor and slumped
4: against the wall with a heavy sigh. I swear to fuck, Teddy, if you've woken me up to argue with me about the Church of Satan's stance against drug use, we are done as friends. My look the other way and let you live your own life policy with you will end. I'll make sure John never works with you again, and I'll pull every bit of media I have in circulation in support of you or your music.
0: No, it's not that! You have to listen to me, Danielle! The end is here! The gateway to hell is opened! The infernal gods are coming forth and we're about to be greeted as brothers, sisters, and friends! It's all real, Danielle! All of it!
4: Okay, Teddy, good luck with that. She clicked the in
3: call icon on the phone screen and proceeded the rest of the way downstairs fucking drugged out moron. John indeed was in front of his vintage Dell laptop computer with matching external hard drive and antique power connection cables. How anyone managed to ever get any work done on such clumsy machines was beyond Danielle. She was grateful to live in a world where her phone was the only computing storage or entertainment device she'd ever need. But John had a real fondness for outdated music editing software and digital storage devices, and his collection of such was his own business and not her concern at the moment. She didn't wait for him to turn and acknowledge her presence before speaking.
4: Teddy's already hitting the hook of this morning and on his way over.
3: The sort of comment from her would normally have invoked laughter and a smart ass comeback, but John didn't even look up from the computer.
4: Did you hear me? She
3: passed from the doorway to the middle of the room, but still he didn't look at her or respond. Teddy's on
4: his way over, all in a panic, talking some shit about the gates of hell opening. I think he's really lost his shit this time.
3: Finally, he responded. But what he said was not at all what Daniel expected.
1: He's not crazy. The gates of hell have opened.
3: She stood, dumbfounded, for a moment, staring at the back of John's head and questioning whether or not she was in actuality still upstairs in the bed dreaming. The sensation of a warm cat body rubbing against her bare left shin brought her back to reality. It was toward the feline that she turned her next question and
4: her stare. Has everyone lost their damn minds this morning, perper?
1: Come here, take a look at this.
4: John waited for her to come stand beside
3: him, but still didn't take his eyes off the computer screen. Danielle moved reluctantly forward toward the old wooden computer desk. She hated old computer screens. They were only viewable at certain angles, mostly straight on, and so even though she was now within feet of it, she still couldn't see what John saw. Angling and bending her body forward, she steadied herself with one hand against the edge of the desk and peered at the screen. What she saw was impossible. The scene was of a city in the desert from the looks of it, and in the center of the city was a giant hole in the earth itself. No, not just a hole. This pit was lined and filled with flickering light that resembled fire, but produced no smoke. And even at the angle it was being filmed, it was clear that the hole not only went downward, but opened outward beneath the town in a way that did not make it possible for the ground beneath any part of the city, nor even perhaps the core of the planet itself to be solid.
4: What is this? Some old horror movie? She asked.
1: That is Jerusalem.
4: Never heard of that one. Special effects are well done. When was it made? Danielle. Finally, John's gaze
3: came across to me hers. His eyes were wide with alarm or excitement. She couldn't tell which, but the closeness of his face to hers mere inches combined with his expression unsettled her.
1: This is live footage of Jerusalem, the city, the actual city.
3: Bullshit. She cast her eyes back onto the screen, hoping to see something that would prove it was bullshit. She saw nothing but the hole and its eerie flickering lights. Before she could comment further, out of the hole's depths came flying a large sphere shaped something. But the object's sudden appearance and quick movement startled her, causing her to jump back. What
4: was that?
1: Don't know. John snorted. They're calling them flying chariots on the web. That's the second one that's come out of the gateway in the last hour.
3: Gateway? She straightened herself and backed away from the
4: computer. gateway to where?
1: Hell, I suppose, or someplace that looks just like it.
4: Hell, that's ridiculous. Hell was created by the founders of Judaism and Christianity to frighten the masses into following their teaching and handing over their collective power to the church. It's not real. Devils and demons are just an archetype, part of our collective unconsciousness, at absolute best, occasionally, through some construct of the mind and projections of will, we perceive them as something outside of ourselves, but they certainly aren't physical, at least not enough to open a gate large enough to swallow part of a city.
1: Yeah, I know satanic philosophy, Danielle.
4: The wills
3: of John's old-fashioned desk chair squilled as he turned to face her.
1: But I think that the giant hole that just opened up in the earth that has flying machines coming out of it might need a refresher course.
3: Bullshit. She repeated as she brought her phone up from her side and began expanding its screen, causing the device itself to grow wider and longer while at the same
4: time becoming thinner. Let's just see what all of this looks like on a real computer.
1: (laughs) Better screen quality is not going to improve the situation.
4: John turned back around to face his old laptop.
3: We'll see about that. With a few quick swipes and icon taps, Danielle pulled up the only website she trusted for accurate news on nefarious or magical matters. The site, Saturday Infernal News, or SIN for short, had been created as a blog site several years prior by Ivy Hall, a longtime friend and sometimes media rival to Daniel, and had originally only updated with news stories and articles once a week, hence the name. Demand for more content combined with the quality of the content the site published had quickly grown into the source and place for Satanists and other followers of the Left Hand Path from around the globe to connect, network, and get news. As a media expert herself, it was a bit amusing to Danielle how little the flavor of humanity's online activities had changed over the course of the last 80 years. Despite all the changes in technology, most people still flock to social media sites and the comment sections of popular articles and videos to have their often ill-informed opinions heard even if no one was listening. So, she fully expected the first thing she'd see on the SIN website to be a multitude of users chatting away about how ridiculous this whole gateway to hell nonsense was with a few true believers sprinkled into the mix for flavoring. There would be, she guessed, images and text detailing how the trick was being pulled off. These were the posts she would show to John. The whole matter would be settled in a matter of minutes and they'd have a good laugh about it over breakfast. What came up on her phone's holographic screen instead rattled loose what little confidence she had left that she could reclaim this as a normal morning. The words read, The end has come, and judgment is upon us all. We have been misled into believing the devil is not real, but he has opened wide the gates to the abyss and prepares to wage war upon us. We can no longer deny what is true. We have been fools, and now we must pay the price and do our penance only through casting aside our past allegiance and embracing Jesus can our souls be saved from eternal torment. Let it be known from this moment forth that I, Ivy Justice Hall, born Virginia Mary Hall, disaffiliate myself from Satanism, the teaching of Anton Zandor LeVay and the church he founded. I pray that you all do the same. Sincerely, Virginia Hall. That was the full extent of the once teeming website's content. Everything else was gone. Removed, Deleted. Erased. Danielle felt as though the floor, like the ground under Jerusalem, had been pulled out from under her. This has to be a joke. She read the words on the screen once more. Slowly this time, to be certain that she had understood their meaning, and then closed the phone and tossed it aside. It landed on one of the office's mini bookshelves among the other useless electronics. At that very moment, the intercom let out a chirp, indicating someone was at the front door. Danielle groaned and stomped out of the room and down the hall. John rose slowly and followed her. If Teddy had arrived, it was time for a show. Even on a normal calm day, their friend had a flair for the dramatic. The prospect of the world ending and Armageddon starting would no doubt kick him into high gear. To both of their surprise, it was not Teddy's frame that darkened their door when finally,
6: Danielle got it opened.
3: Clive, what are you doing here?
6: What do you mean, what am I doing here? Haven't you seen the online news this morning? The young man was speaking fast as usual,
3: and also as usual, was way overdressed for the occasion. But then what does one wear to the end of the world? John wondered. Well, whatever the proper outfit was, it wasn't a black suit, red tie, and matching fedora. Or was it? John looked down at himself, and wondered if he should change out of the black t-shirt with a sexy demon girl on the front of it, and dark jeans he'd thrown on a few hours earlier when he'd woken up. Before he knew he might be meeting Satan, he shrugged, figuring his attire hardly mattered and focused his attention back on Danielle and her young assistant. Yeah, Clive, we've seen the footage of the sinkhole. Danielle, who was still in her short cotton nightgown, stepped back from the door, allowing the young man to enter. With a casual sort of air, she reclined into one of the living room's chairs, throwing both her legs over one of its arms and resting her back against the edge of its back. She positioned herself at an angle where she could watch the whole of the room. Her hair was a mess, but her skin was perfect and her figure full. John knew exactly how he wanted to ride out the apocalypse, with his face planted firmly between her ample breasts and her thick thighs around his waist. She glared at him in a way that told him she was reading his thoughts and it was not the time, before turning her eyes back towards Clive.
6: And you've been on sin?
3: The young man closed the door behind him as he entered the house. "'Yes, it seems Ivy's jumped ship on us.'
6: "'That is unfortunate. "'She is such a luminary. "'It is a shame to lose her to fear.'
3: "'Sure,' was all Danielle said. "'But the flatness of her tone hinted to her "'not being exactly torn up over the loss.'
6: "'And it leaves you in a position of grave importance.'
3: "'John settled down on the sofa across from them to listen. "'He could tell she was already growing annoyed. "'Danielle had never been exactly comfortable "'with her fame or elevated status among their people.' She didn't enjoy having her ass kissed and preferred to focus on what she could do better, do next, then rest on her laurels and accept praise. For this reason, she'd been through three assistants in five years. Clive would not last much longer if he continued with the Yes Man Act.
6: With sin no longer operational, the websites you own are the most popular on the web for satanic content and perspective. Aside from the Church of Satan's own website, of course.
3: "'Of course.' Danielle left hand, mindlessly lifting up from her side to touch the necklace, with the demonic sigil engraved into it that she never took off. It wasn't like any other necklace any other Satanist wore. It was one-of-a-kind, treasured family heroine. Lifting it up from its resting place above her cleavage, she ran her fingertips over its grooves. Seeing this, John knew she was nervous. The necklace was her talisman, her security blanket in the form of jewelry. The weight and fill of it brought her comfort connected her to her family history. She confessed all of this to him one late drunken night during their first year together. It was this sort of sweet and sentimental thought that had made him fall in love with her, but she was all business right now and Clive was still talking.
6: Traffic and emails from all over the globe are already flooding in. People want information and answers about what's going on.
4: And you imagine I have answers? I know nothing. I'm not even sure I believe yet that any of this is happening. I mean, this isn't exactly something any of us have been waiting or planning for.
6: But you were taught about these things and schooled in demonology from the time you were little. Even if you weren't taught that any of it was really real, you know it all. If anyone is prepared for this day, it's you. Oh boy, here we go.
3: John leaned back into the plushness of the sofa and spread his arms out across the top of it. Both Danielle and Clive cut their eyes at him sharply, but soon blocked eyes with each other again as the assistant continued.
6: Your great-grandmother wrote about these things. About hell. About the royals. Not only that, she was one of the early members of the church and started the media company you now head up. She had insight. We should rely upon her works now to guide us.
3: John laughed suddenly and sharply.
6: Yeah. Oh, she
1: had insight for sure, Daniel. Tell you what, why don't we grab a couple issues of that magazine she published, the one with all the horror smut? We may not get insight, but we'll get horny. And that's just as good.
3: She glared at him. You're hilarious, you know that?
1: Yeah. It's why you love me.
3: Her expression
4: remained unamused as her eyes came back around to play. I guess we're never going to get past this generational Satanist nonsense, are we? But it does seem to me that if my family history were of such great importance, you'd bother with getting the details correct. My great-grandmother was born a decade or two too late to be among the church's first members, and she wrote and published fiction, mostly erotic fiction, none of which is going to prove very helpful to us right now
6: fair enough but maybe john is on to something maybe there is something in the interviews in such in her magazine that can help us didn't she interview some other members of the church didn't she write a column or something about the crown princes of hell do you even
4: hear yourself you want to consult fictional writing and old interviews with people talking about their creative projects for answers but then there is no way any of this is real right Danielle suddenly swung her legs around to the floor and stood. I'm hallucinating this whole morning because there is no way we're actually having this conversation or that you just said that to me.
1: And you may tell yourself, this is not my beautiful house. And you may tell yourself, this is not my beautiful wife.
4: I need coffee.
3: She took off in the direction of the kitchen, throwing her next words over her shoulder as she went. And Clive, you're welcome to go downstairs to the studio and start answering emails and posting video blogs or whatever you like. In response to all these people and their questions, you really don't need a satanic great-grandmother to do that. John sighed and then chuckled to himself. Clive looked very much like he wanted to throw up, which made John laugh even harder.
1: Well, it looks like you're finally going to get to sit in the big chair and be an official media representative for our people.
3: Clive opened his mouth to say something, probably a plea for John's assistance in convincing Danielle to go online in his place. But before the younger satanist could say a loud bang, A gunshot from the sound of it rang out from outside the front door. Both he and John dove for the floor. Perper scampered off under the sofa.
0: Open up John and Danielle, it's Teddy!
3: There came another bang from the other side of the door. This time, it was a fist hitting the wood.
0: It's the goddamned apocalypse and the Christians are going crazy out here!
1: Well, they're not the only
3: ones. John muttered as he brought himself to his feet and moved toward the door.
6: You aren't going to open the door, are you?
3: Clive hissed from his belly down position on the floor.
6: No, of course
3: not. John whispered back as he walked across the room and opened the door, allowing Teddy to barge into the room with a shotgun in each hand and a crossbow strapped to his back. John looked the crazed man up and down, taken in the sight of his green and purple hair, which was cut and styled in the latest reincarnation of the mohawk. His skin-tight silver tank top and the tattered vintage sagging black jeans he always wore that had buckles down the legs that buckled nothing. Well, at least he no longer had to be worried about being the worst stress attendee to the apocalypse, he thought. And which of the four horsemen are you supposed to be?
1: War, my infernal brother. War. It's breaking out all around us. Ah, uh, I see.
3: John stepped out onto the front step and looked quickly to the left and then to the right. Everything looked normal. Well, except that Reverend Landing The Baptist minister who lived down the street was laying dead in a pool of blood in the middle of the road, apparently shot. The guy had always been rude to John and Danielle, called in false noise complaints on them, even tried once to get the other neighbors to sign a petition asking that they be forced to move out of the neighborhood. John decided that the dead man really wasn't any of his concern and no one else on the block seemed to have taken notice of him yet. Or if they had, they weren't moving to do anything about it. He stepped back inside and shut the door. What's happening now? Danielle returned from the kitchen, a wet spot of what must have been coffee spilt down the front of her gown. Has Jesus shown up?
6: It's worse than that, I'm afraid.
3: Clive finally brought himself up from the floor, dusting of cat hair and straightened his suit as he stood.
6: Hey, your little ass are still with us.
3: Teddy stepped around John and brought himself right up next to Clive and slapped him on the back.
1: I'd have thought for
0: sure you'd have turned tail on us and run just like Ivy did.
3: Before her assistant could speak, Danielle brought herself between him and Teddy.
4: Clive, go get started on setting us up for a live broadcast and keep an eye on the live news feed of the Gateway, or whatever it is. We need to know more about what's going on before we release any sort of statement. "I." Danielle raised a hand in a gesture
3: to silence. Just go. The young man said nothing more as he headed off in the direction of the basement studio. And Teddy? She said, her friend right in the eyes, making her glare as intense
4: as she could. Do Something useful that doesn't make a lot of noise He smirked at her
0: (laughs) I'm going to be the horseman of war
4: She smirked back Can that be done quietly upstairs?
0: Higher ground, take the advantage I've always liked the way you think
3: He gave her a peck on the cheek And tossed one of his guns onto the table
0: I'm going to leave that here for you
3: He took the stairs three at a time On his way up to the house's higher levels Alone with her once more John's face lost most of its happy mocking expression it had displayed with Clive and Teddy. He moved in closer to where she stood. He was nearly close enough for their bodies to touch.
1: Well, it seems Clive and Teddy have already chosen their roles in all this.
4: Yeah, Clive wants to lead our people out of Egypt and Teddy's going to kill everyone that gets in our way. (sighs) But do either of them have a clue what they're doing or why? Her voice broke little with her last words.
3: He wrapped his arms around her and rested his chin on the top of her head.
1: I think Teddy shot Reverend Landing. He's in the street outside.
3: She collapsed into him, her arms embracing his waist and clinging to him tightly.
1: The
4: man was an ass. Did anyone see it?
1: I don't know. I don't even know if it matters. I have a feeling government and law enforcement have bigger concerns right now.
4: What do you think happens now?
1: I don't know. I suppose we could watch more of that live footage from Jerusalem, see what develops.
4: Clive is doing that. She pulled back from him, just enough to look up at him. I don't plan to spend my last hours, if that's what they are, watching an internet news feed.
1: All right, then fuck the news feed.
4: No,
3: fuck me. He smiled at her, happy to know that he'd be riding out the apocalypse in the very position he desired.
1: (laughs) Now that I can do.
3: They kissed deep and passionately and moved towards the sofa. She more fell than lay back on her. Her legs wrapping around his waist, encouraging him to quickly enter her. There was no time to waste. It was the end of the world. Ripping his belt off, he was out of his pants and pressing the tip of his erection against the moist warmth of her vagina before she had time to get her panties off. He ripped those away as well and tossed them onto the coffee table next to Teddy's spare gun. Just over an hour passed before gunshots rang out from the second level of the house and killed the silence that had surrounded them all. Both Danielle and John sprang up at once from their resting position on the sofa. They bumped into each other and nearly knocked one another back down as they jumped to their feet. But by the time they heard Teddy's footfall coming down the stairs, they were up and their clothing for the most part was pulled back into place.
0: IT'S ONE OF THOSE DAMN FLYING MACHINES!
3: He screamed as he made way to the window beside the door, shotgun in hand.
0: Black as fucking night and big as a fucking tank!
3: So you're fucking shooting at it? Danielle screamed back. Oh shit! Teddy jumped back, away from the window and brought his gun around to aim at the door. About this time, Clive returned from the basement, adding to the madness in the room.
6: They're saying one of those chariot things is being tracked over the city, heading in our direction. Yeah, we know.
3: John muttered. They were all now staring at the door. Then something large moved past the window. Without warning, Teddy fired his gun, momentarily deafening everyone in the room and blasting the hole the size of a walnut into the center of the door. After this, there was again silence in the house for all of about 10 seconds. Then the door exploded inward, splinting and flying in all directions knocking Teddy backward onto his ass and causing the other three to duck down behind the coffee table. The figure that stepped inside was not quite a man. He was not quite an animal either, though there was a bison-like quality to some of his features, mostly his muscular fur-covered legs, which ended in giant hooves and the short, curved horns that sat on either side of his otherwise human forehead and face. His hair and beard were both full and untamed, and the color of copper And his outer clothing were made exclusively of tanned leather and fur. He looked like the cross between a viking god and a wild beast. As his amber eyes moved over the for of them, they shone with a quality usually reserved only for wolves, large cats, and other predatory species. It was upon Teddy, who was once again on his feet, that his eyes stopped.
0: I command by the gods of the pit that you obey my desires."
3: Teddy said with the gun aimed firmly at the middle of the intruder's chest. All the other humans in the room stared at Teddy in disbelief. It could never be said from that day forward that he lacked balls. The newcomer who stood no less than a foot and a half taller than Teddy smiled. It was a crooked smile, and not at all friendly or warm.
5: I have no master.
3: The Beast God's voice was deep and foreboding, but it was his movements that did the most to further disquiet the room. Lunging forward, he reached out with one large hand and grabbed the barrel of Teddy's gun. Before the now unarmed man had time to react or move away, he swung the shotgun like a bat, striking Teddy on the side of the head and knocking him backward onto the stairs. It was clear as he fell that he would not be getting back up anytime soon. Switching the gun from one hand to the other, the intruder aimed it at Clive, who had grabbed Teddy's second gun from the coffee table.
5: The next person who aims a weapon at me... dies.
3: Upon hearing this, Clive did three things. He dropped the gun, fell to his knees, and began to profess his devotion to the god that stood before him. This invoked a heavy sigh from the deity.
5: <sighs> Enough of that.
3: Lowering the gun, he stamped one heavy hoof on the carpeted floor, which had the effect of shaking the room.
5: I'm not Yahweh, I will not listen to your sniveling as though it were music. Remove yourself from my presence until you can behave like one who is worthy of my respect."
3: Half-crawling and half-running, Clive left the room, returning once more to the relative safety of the basement. The god-creature's gaze now fell upon Danielle and John who stood close together. John placed one arm loosely around her, drawing her closer to his side. Though he knew he could never hope to protect her from the wrath of an infernal god he was prepared to try.
5: Do you know who I am, Danielle?
3: The god asked. Her eyes darted to the symbol tattooed on his massive forearm as her fingers again instinctively went to her necklace. The symbols were the same. I think I have some idea. Good. He tossed the gun aside.
5: Then we can get it down to the business of why I'm here without there being any more displays of force.
4: I'm more at the moment reeling from the fact that you are here than ready to hear why.
5: I'm here because you created me. I? The collective you. Humanity.
3: He smiled. This time it was a genuine smile of joy.
5: So few of you realize how powerful your will to create is. You are gods, and in the thousands of years that you have ruled over this planet, you have created through your fairy tales and faith, my kind to rule over you.
4: We brought you here into being?
5: Yes, first you created us, then your collective focus and fear of hell and the end times compounded over centuries until finally we had enough strength to break through from our realm now we are here to rule the earth as your kind's beliefs demand
3: i see she wasn't going to argue with him on this point Not when he was clearly physical, standing there before her with her living room door busted open behind him and Teddy laying unconscious on the ground.
4: And you've come to me because... He chuckled.
5: (laughs) You are, in a way, my family. We share an ancestor of sorts. Or perhaps I am your ancestor. All of this is very hard, even for us to wrap our hands around.
4: My great-grandmother was connected to you.
5: She wrote of me and my kind. We owe people like her our existence. She left to you her work, which you have continued and grown.
3: He smiled widely and focused his stare on the object her fingers held.
5: And I see you still have her necklace.
3: Danielle dropped the necklace and let it fall back into place against her chest. And what is expected of me now?
5: You are to be a priestess to your people. A leader.
3: That again,
5: huh? It's what you already are.
3: He seemed to reflect on this for a moment, as though he had more to say, but then thought better of it.
5: But we will discuss more on this in the coming days. For now, you only need to know that you and your house are under my protection. Guards will be posted, and a temple will soon be built on this spot.
4: A temple, and I am to be the priestess. Daniel muttered. He said nothing. Stepping backward
3: out the door, he left the house once more in silence. Daniel stood still for a time and stared at the space he had taken up. Then slowly she stirred and brought her eyes around
4: to meet John's. Well, ain't that some bullshit. Literally, judging by the looks of them, he chuckled.
3: He made a display of bowing to her as Perper finally came out from under the sofa and looked up at them both. John raised his head back up level with her own and kissed her. Perper meowed and rubbed against her leg and life went on, in spite of it being the end.
0: Don't run away! It wasn't real! It was only just the Ah well... For those of you with a stronger constitution, why not stop by our merchandise store and check out the interesting items from the show and our resident artists. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and like our Facebook page. You can also find us on iTunes and a variety of online platforms. Just search for the hashtag, SatanicLairs. What do you think? Will you summon and let us in?